today, friends, we're in Acts. We're preaching through the book of Acts, the lectionary readings through the time of Eastertide. You'll notice that the story of the church sort of substitutes for the story of Israel during Eastertide. So instead of reading an Old Testament reading in the lectionary, we're reading an Acts text in the lectionary. In addition to another New Testament text, the letter of the Revelations written by the Apostle Paul, apparently. Today will be in Acts 5, um, where uh, we hear that the apostles are brought before the leaders of the council to be interrogated, and they're asked why they continue to teach in this name. And Peter and the apostles respond, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is the leader and the Savior. He's Lord. His power, his power at the right hand of the Father is used to give repentance and forgiveness. And we participate in this life as we gospel with the apostles and Peter. As we announce and herald that Jesus is the leader and Savior of the whole world. This is a gift to us. Where, friends... Can you wake up to your life as a gift today? Where are you being invited to receive the gift from the leader and savior of the whole world, of your life? Uh, I got a voice to text this week from a friend of mine named Christy. She lives many states away, and she's one of my only friends who Instead of texting me or calling me, she leaves me the voice-to-text things, and so then I listen to them like I'd listen to a voicemail, but it's really a text mail. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Audio? Thanks. It's an audio text. And um, so, sh- so I'm, I'm driving somewhere, and it's nice because I, I can like hit play on my phone as I'm driving and listen to this audio text from my friend Christy, and she said, hey, Pooch, this is Christy. She, oh, she calls me Pooch, <laughs> which is a little awkward for, she's one of the only uh, two, two people, three people call me Pooch. Uh, Christy, my friend John, who lives in Southern California, uh, and my wife. Um, it's sort of my wife's pet name for me that the circle of friends picked up on, and they started calling me that. So it's actually a term of endearment. Um, I'm sure everybody has uh, friends that call them their wife's pet name for them. So um. <laughs> anyway, she said, hey, Pooch, uh, I've got this thing. Um, I've got a friend who texts me and calls me, her name's Renee, and I, I feel like an awful friend. I do not want to call her back. So um, I gave Christy a call, and we chatted, and, sh- and I said, tell me about Renee. She said, well, she's a lifelong friend. I met her in college, um, you know, 20 years ago, and um, we just stayed in touch, and she said they actually moved out to Colorado Springs to be with us, and they lived in our house for like eight months. And she said, my daughter and her daughter are best friends, but she said, um, I, I feel really guilty because I don't want to spend time with her, and I avoid her. And I said, uh, do you know why? And she said, oh, Yeah. She said, um, because I feel judged and condemned by her. I said, well, 
tell me about that. And she said, okay, well, um, six months ago, they're living in our house, and, um, and I'm, uh, she's, she's on staff at an Anglican church in Colorado, and she said, I'm, I'm going to be preaching that Sunday, and so I've been working on my message all week. And my friend Renee comes up to me on Saturday morning, and she says, um, hey, Christy, uh, I have a question for you. How holy do you have to be in order to preach? Christy was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, why do you ask? And Renee said, I was just curious because, uh, you know, you yelled at your kids yesterday and you're preaching on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, Christy said, I, I just sort of like got out of that conversation as fast as possible and went up to my bedroom and cried for 30 minutes. We all have friends like this, don't we? <laughs> now, I was able to affirm, Chris, hey, Chrissy, there's a reason why you don't want to call her back. You know, There's a reason why you avoid her. But I was thinking about this posture, this posture of, that Renee is, has as a Christian is commonplace, right? This posture of sort of an interrogator, an accuser, like the sin police. Like, I got my measuring stick. You know, it's not just nuns in 1950s with the rulers in second grade, but like we all kind of have our little habit on with our ruler. You know, we're measuring and whacking and pointing. Reminds me of this song uh, that was released the year I was born by George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Any Tammy Wynette fans in here? Bruce? Joel? Um, here's here's uh, the song. The title of the song is, God's Gonna Get You For That. And it goes a little something like this. God's gonna get you for that. God's gonna get you for that. There's no place to run and hide, for he knows where you're at. God's gonna get you for that. God's gonna get you for that. Every wrong thing that you do, God's gonna get you for that. You wanna hear some verses? Just, just let them soak into our soul. <laughs> this doggone world we're living in, it's giving me a fit. It seems like everywhere I turn, I see a hypocrite. Well, if you want to go to heaven, well, you can't live like that. So let me tell you, brother, God's going to get you for that. Now, the preacher in our church, he's a mighty devoted man. Everybody thinks that he's a going to the promised land. But the other night on a country road while I was driving through... I caught the preacher making love to Sister Mary Lou. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Kids ministry is available. <laughs> now, oh, the final verse, because uh, you know the chorus already. God's going to get you for that. Now, old Sister Bessie, she likes to testify. She says, I'll always love the Lord. Someday I'm going to fly. But the other night while going by the local liquor store, I caught old sister Bessie flying out the door. <laughs> oh, God's going to get you for that. Friends, this religious posture of accusation, interrogation, and condemnation 
It lives in each of us. We come by this honestly. It's our inheritance, our birthright as being human. But today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is now leader and savior of the whole world and his power is used to give. To gift forgiveness and repentance. And as we participate in this life, we become gospelers, not of God's going to get you for that, but of forgiveness, of repentance, of life. Where do you need to receive life as a gift today? Where in your life does somebody need the good news that Jesus is in power, not to condemn, but to save? Our text today tells the story of the early church. Peter and the apostles keep showing up in the temple and they're teaching. And uh, earlier on in chapter 5, um, they have been already brought it in front of the, the same council and they were told not to teach. And they were, uh, um, the Holy Spirit kind of sh- shook during a prayer time. Uh, it's the beginning of the Assemblies of God denomination. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a joke. Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. I see you. Filled the Holy Spirit, and they share possessions uh, with each other, and then Ananias and Sapphira uh, die because they are uh, trying to impress people with their generosity without being generous. The apostles heal and cure many, and, and then they're arrested and jailed, and then uh, they're busted out of the prison by an angel. This is kind of the backbones of the story. And so then our text that starts reading today, the temple police show up, and very quietly, very properly arrest the apostles and take them to be in front of the council again. And so we have this picture, friends, of two different kinds of religious authority. We've got the council leaders, and we've got the apostolic leadership. And I just want to contrast those in light of this good news today. The council leaders, we're told, were filled with jealousy. And they bring the apostles before them and they say, uh, the chief priest says, what are you doing? We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And here you are doing it and you're determined to bring this man's blood upon us or to make us guilty of Jesus' death. Uh, One of the things that uh, may may not be obvious to us initially is that, um, like how will the how will their teaching bring, bring Jesus' blood on the religious leaders, on this council? Well, you see this over and over and over again in the Gospels and in Acts, that this, this uh, God's going to get you for that religious authority and power draws its strength and validation, not from the Lord, but from the esteem and opinion of other people. And so the reason why their teaching is going to bring guilt upon the religious leaders because as the estimation and affection for Jesus grows, the religious council, the council leadership, their esteem and affection among the people decreases. So power for this council leadership is influence, control, status, like social capital. That's what it means to have power. 
And they hear the good news from Peter. Peter's like, well, here's some good news for you. And the, hearing the good news makes them want to kill the apostles. Because the worst thing that can happen to the council leader, to this religious leadership, is that um, they could be wrong. But they would have to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. This is what living under fear, accusation, and guilt, this is what it does to us. It makes us allergic to seeing repentance as good news. We can see who else needs to repent. Apostles, repent. We told you to stop this, but you can't see your own need. God's going to get old Sister Bessie and the pastor, but he won't get me and my judging wand. And so then Gamaliel stands up at the end of this passage and he says, hey, 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 if, if these guys, if, if what they're doing isn't true, it's going to show itself, it's going to fizzle out. But if, if we kill these apostles, then... Um, we might be seen to be on the other side of God. And so he makes like a prudent, sort of expedient decision to save face, to not make things worse. This is kind of damage control here. This is, it's not true repentance. It's just sort of like um, in the off chance that we made a mistake, let's hit pause here. To be really clear, exceedingly clear, um, when, when Peter says, you, uh, you killed him by uh, hanging him on a tree, um, Peter is saying that as a Jew to other Jews. It's really clear in the New Testament that the Jewish people aren't at fault for killing Jesus. In fact, uh, there were no Christians during this sermon who weren't Jewish, <laughs> right? And probably for another uh, many years. And so um, uh, the leaders, as exemplified by the council, uh, they're seen as being guilty, but uh, not all Jews are guilty. Friends, this dynamic, this, this religious posture, this leadership of power and influence and social capital, I'm, I'm in touch with this. I mean, I can laugh at George Jones's song but I feel like God's going to get you for that lives in me. Up until recently, I was putting Deke in bed last night, and I got his permission to share this story this morning. Um, he, I, he was already dressed in his church clothes, and uh, he was just telling me how excited he was to go to church today, which is new for Deacon, because six months ago, he was moaning and complaining about how church wasted all his free time on Sunday mornings which is a little embarrassing for a pastor, right? And so, um, anyway, I feel like uh, six months ago, I was sort of like in this space of, oh my gosh, I've got to, I gotta solve this. I need to order you not to speak uh, anymore in the name of anti-church, right? Uh, I need to persuade you and influence you and convince you and cajole you that, what we're doing here is important, that um, you need to learn how to worship, that um, you need to just shut up. It's not that bad. Like, it is what you make of it. Um, you know, you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. I mean, all these different sort of 
That always works for Sharon, so I figured it'd work for Deacon. Uh, that doesn't really. Nope. Uh, uh, I, did, I felt this need to sort of like eliminate this thing that I don't want and use God's name for it, like powering up in this council leadership power. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And I mean, I prayed mostly like the groanings too, um, too deep for words prayer. I don't feel like this was a result of my faith, but it was because uh, Jesus is leader and savior and he exists in power to give. That uh, God gave my son eyes to see beauty and goodness here. And so what's happened is uh, he hasn't memorized the liturgy. uh, You know, he's not doing things the way I'd want him to, but he's coming here and he's, this morning, sitting in that chair, staring out the window, waiting for Remy to get here. Because he absolutely loves kids under the age of 18 months old. And will hold them, you know, uh, like Remy and Elion. Noah's kind of a t- she's tough. She's like, I don't know who you are, dude. Stay away from me. But he loves, like Noah's too, like he's just, he wants to spend time with these babies. And um, the first few weeks of that, I'm watching him spend time with babies, and I'm thinking, will you just pick up a booklet and do the prayers, please? And God's like, um, maybe, maybe I'm giving, I'm giving something here. Not just for Deacon, but for you. So everything changed when I began to notice that, that God is at work as leader and savior, giving me repentance so I can receive this gift of my 10-year-old son and his tender-heartedness towards little kids. I was able to wake up that I have a gift because that's the kind of, that's the kind of Lord, that's the kind of Lord we have. Friends, where do you need to wake up today? That your life is a gift. That Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father today as leader and savior. Not pointing a finger, not listening to Tammy Wynette on repeat, but, but giving, not making demands, but giving forgiveness, repentance today. Notice how Peter, Peter Peter's speech here is meant just to turn the charges back on the religious leaders. They're accusing Peter and his apostles of being disobedient. And Peter sort of very skillfully says, well, we have to obey God rather than men. <laughs> Which is like um, insinuating what? That they're not obeying God. Here's the other part of this that we miss. This, I have to obey God rather than men, that wasn't written by Peter or Luke or, and the way we think about it, God. That's a phrase from Plato's apology that Plato put on the lips of Aristotle when Aristotle was told to stop teaching. And Aristotle told the religious or the authorities in Greece, I have to obey the gods rather than men. So what Peter was doing was taking this pop cultural reference 
quoting a Britney Spears song. That's not in pop culture anymore. Quoting a JoJo Siwa song. Quoting this, this known phrase to link Jesus and Aristotle and to link the killing of Aristotle that almost everyone saw as, oh, that's too bad. That was tragedy. And holding it before them and saying, remember that story? All that in we must obey God rather than men. That's what, that's what Peter was doing. Notice that Peter wasn't being asked to bake a cake for a wedding he didn't approve of and he dropped that language on him. Notice what he wasn't doing with that phrase. Notice he wasn't working for the government and asked to sign a marriage license that he didn't want to sign and then he sort of is persecuted because he has to like, because he gets fired. Peter isn't fighting the secular world with that phrase. Peter is holding before the religious world their duplicity and hypocrisy with that phrase. And there's a mountain of difference. Peter's calling his people to repentance, not calling those people to condemnation. Can I get a witness? Peter just declares what's true. He tells the story. Friends, this is the gospel. Listen to how simple it is. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. Jesus has risen from the dead, the one that you cursed. God exalted him at his right hand, as leader, the, the word there, leader, means uh, catalyzer, inaugurator, like the, be- the beginner. It's the word arche. Um, in Hebrews, it's the same word that's like the author and pioneer of our faith. The author, that word author is the word arche, which does mean like leader, but it really means like beginner. The one who began our salvation. That he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses to these things. The Holy Spirit is too. We've been given that to those who obey him. Obey him here just means we're receiving what he's giving and testifying about it. (laughs) That's what what obedience here means. Notice there's no fear, guilt, and shame. Notice there's no God's going to get you for that here. Notice that. There's just holding open what happened. This is what happened But then notice what God is giving, forgiveness and repentance, is exactly what these council leaders need. It's exactly what they need. Peter's offering them life and hope. But first they have to reckon with, we actually need that. The council leaders are too busy telling other people they need it to reckon with their own need. The good news today, friends, is that Jesus is now leader and savior. His power is used to give forgiveness and repentance. And we bear witness to that life by the Holy Spirit as we receive it and testify about it. So can you wake up to your life as a gift today? Where are you seeing an obstacle to your happiness? A thorn in your flesh, a burr in your saddle, a chap in your crack that God today is inviting you to see as a gift. 
Where do you need to wake up to that today? Can we be gospelers that Jesus gives the gift of forgiveness and repentance in a world full of intimidation and accusation, in a world full of condemnation and fear? Where do you need this new vocabulary of good news? What situation in your life? Do you get just as cranked up about as old Sister Bessie running out that liquor store? Who's your Sister Bessie? And where's that liquor store for you? Uh, And me, uh, I'll just share how I'm responding, and then we're going to respond together. Uh, I noticed that um, I have these stories I wake up with every morning, and they're not gospel stories. I've just been starting to notice them. And I'll notice them, and and like part of me will be like, now wait a minute, I think that's not whatever. And then I just find myself just jumping right into them and believing them all day. So I decided this week, about four days ago, this is really new, so I share this as sort of uh, something I'm learning, um, obviously. Uh, I started making a daily report. So I woke up, and I just started penning these messages that felt to me like, if Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in power, giving as leader and Savior repentance and forgiveness, then these messages might not be true. Right? So here's a smattering. Just so you welcome into my uh, messed up psyche. Here we go. I don't have enough time to do my sermon prep. If I'm wrong, I'm unsafe. I don't know who I am if I'm not right. I will always be like this. I'm not qualified to do my job. I have no home. No Christian home. I don't have enough energy, time, discipline. I'm under attack. Each of these stories, friends, uh, and there's more, I mean, there's more. Each of these stories, uh, threatens to pull me out of this beautiful new creation that Peter's declaring where the, the most powerful position in all the universe is inhabited by a person who's a savior and a leader that wants to give me everything I need. Where do you need a new vocabulary today? What story are you living in that sucks the life out of you and compromises your witness, your testimony to what the Holy Spirit's doing? Let's take a moment to respond to this good news, that Jesus is leader and savior. His power is used to give repentance, changing our mind and forgiveness, freeing us from sin. So this little prayer here, if I can find it, here we go. Jesus, you are the leader and savior of the whole world. Teach me or us to trust the goodness of your gospel in my blank. Where do you need to trust it? Where do you need to trust this good news declaration? Deliver us from living in accusation, condemnation, and fear. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you show us what power, true power, godly power is like. It's the power to give and to intercede, to protect, to redeem, to save, 
to offer. God, give us the faith to receive that and the grace to inhabit that as we imitate you, as we imitate what we've received, as we offer what we have. We want to become people who, in this world of antagonisms and violence, evil, self-preservation, God, that, uh, that as you tap into the, the council leader in all of us, you would make us more like a Jesus leader. We ask this in your name, Jesus, and for your sake. Amen. Continue the work of salvation in you that he began. May Christ Jesus be with you in your doubts and fears. And may the Holy Spirit fill you with peace and speak through you with mercy. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Alleluia. 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 Amen. Mm-hmm.